0: A new series. I finished preaching through Hebrews and I'm not preaching through a book of the Bible, which is unusual for me. I felt the Lord stir me, prompt me to spend this autumn, uh, I don't know how many weeks it'll be, on the subject of the Holy Spirit. There you go, the Holy Spirit. So, this is an introduction to a new series. But more than that, I want to introduce you to a person, to the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one Godhead, as we say. The Holy Spirit. I'm so glad we sang the song earlier. I believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. That name or title, the Holy Spirit, may already have some of you in some difficulties. The very idea of a spirit immediately pulls into your mind all kinds of supernatural stories and spooky things. I'm glad we don't use the expression of the King James anymore, or very often, the Holy Ghost, because that's really scary, isn't it? (laughs) Though in Old English, ghost just means spirit, yes? Yes. But the word ghost and even the word spirit sometimes can have people thinking about hauntings and mediums and seances and poltergeists. Let me remind you something, by the way. Every kind of consulting with the dead, which is called necromancy, is completely forbidden by God in his law. Have nothing to do with all of that spiritism. All right? And the very fact that some, one group of people call themselves Christian spiritualists is a lie on two counts. All right? The Holy Spirit is not the holy spook or the holy shade. He's not the holy fog or the holy smoke. He is God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been pretty much ignored by much of the church over the centuries, sadly, and and many systematic theologies, and believe me, I've got a couple of them and I've consulted them, seem to have little to say about the Holy Spirit, which really bothers me. I'm glad that... Many of them make a great deal about Jesus, but Reformed theologians in particular, sound on many issues, sometimes have little to offer concerning the Holy Spirit. Then, throughout history, the person of the Holy Spirit has been attacked, just as the person of Jesus has been attacked. He who is true man and true God is denied by all sorts of sects and heresies and so on. And the Holy Spirit has been resisted and attacked by different heresies down through the centuries. So this morning, in this first series, I have really one thing to say to you. I'm going to say it a couple of different ways and a couple of times over. We're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to take time to deal with errors and heresies, though some people will knock on your door and bring them to your front door. Instead, I want to deal... Uh, on the way in, with something very much closer to us than that. I have been for a long time now deeply concerned by a tendency which is right among Pentecostals and Charismatics to depersonalize the Holy Spirit. So he becomes it or a something. I've spoken about it openly at various meetings, at uh, times of leadership meetings in Elam and other places over recent years, and usually I get a few nodding heads, and I think, yeah, we do. yeah, people do do that, don't we? We do do that. Well, can we unlearn it? Can we even repent of it? Let's get a dose of truth so we begin to regard the Holy Spirit as being the third person of the Holy Trinity, equal with God the Father and God the Son. Now, some of that depersonalizing kind of language is just lazy and loose use of words. Over time, what happens is this. We use a biblical expression, like the wind or whatever else, and we overextend it, we overapply it, and it becomes, in time, just jargon. So people talk about the power of God, the anointing. I'll deal with that another time, by the way. The move of God, the rain, the river... You know, we're going to have a river meeting. River of what? Where from? Where to? What, what, is, what is this river meeting? You know, it becomes jargon. Now, the jargon may be describing something, but they are something that someone is doing. Do you understand? It's a work of the Spirit. Now, people may say back to me, oh, we know what we mean, but the problem is, New people don't know what you mean, they're only hearing the jargon. And eventually you raise up a generation who don't know what you mean, they only know the jargon. Though the Holy Spirit is often compared in Scripture to something, wind, water, oil, the Holy Spirit is someone, not something. The Holy Spirit descended upon the newly baptized Jesus in bodily form like a dove. But he is not a dove, though, when you look up for pictures of the Holy Spirit on the internet, you'll find lots and lots of doves. He was only a dove once, you know. Because John the Baptist and others needed to see visibly, physically, physi- physically, visibly. They needed to see visibly the Holy Spirit descending on the Messiah. So the Holy Spirit took on the form of a dove and descended on Jesus, so they saw it happen. He's not a dove the rest of the time. Show me anywhere in Scripture the Holy Spirit is still a dove. No, it was for that moment, for that time. Now I've listened to and read people and seen the adverts of people speaking and writing. You recognize some of these expressions? Now we we used the word revival this morning, but people talk a lot about revival. Or they advertise things like the new anointing or a greater anointing or blessing or the move of God. But what you don't find in those adverts is any mention specifically of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you don't even see the words God or Jesus either. Some of those adverts would be ridiculous if you changed the words to the Holy Spirit. For instance... Are you selling me a ticket to go to a meeting so I can experience God the Holy Spirit? There's a word for that. It's called simony. Because Simon the magician offered money so he could manipulate and use the Holy Spirit. Am I, you know, am I being paid to, to distribute the Holy Spirit? Mm. Now, the language of the Scriptures, too, we understand. We're going to come to it in a few weeks' time of the Holy Spirit falling, baptizing, filling. Okay? That is language of our experience of him, isn't it? The Holy Spirit doesn't just become this kind of whoosh moment. He's far bigger than that. He's infinite God. But in a moment of time, he presents to us something of his presence, which is the presence of God, and we are filled with him. Yes? We sense his presence falling upon us and impacting us. But that's our experience. The language is of our experience. It doesn't confine him to that experience. He's greater, bigger, fuller than that experience. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we don't receive something. We receive someone. Now, it's even been argued by someone. I've heard this from two or three sources uh, and I don't get out much, as they say. All right. <laughs> but I've heard people say, and they're only giving an appearance of knowing what they're talking about, that in the Greek New Testament, he's not called the, whole, the Holy Spirit at all. It's just Holy Spirit. So they, they say we should pray, you know, for more Holy Spirit, not more of the Holy Spirit, because it's just Holy Spirit. That's a very current, trendy thing all right? But it's actually a very direct depersonalization and diminishing of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to explain in a moment that it simply is not true. Simply is not true. Firstly, in Greek, the words are the other way around. It's the spirit holy. So if you want to say, let's, let's get back to the Greek, okay, let's call him spirit holy, instead of Holy Spirit. All right? If that sounds awkward, then don't, don't bother because we speak in English, aren't we, not Greek? Then, in simple Greek word order, there are maybe 50 places in the New Testament where the isn't in front of Spirit Holy, but there are 120 places where it is in front of Spirit Holy or the Spirit. There are far more places where he's called the Holy Spirit than just Holy Spirit. Because... That's just the way Greek works, folks. It's not like English, all right? And if you look at Lord Jesus, you'll find the same pattern. There are places where it's Lord Jesus and many places where it's the Lord Jesus. It's just the way Greek works. Get over it. But to argue that we should not call him the Holy Spirit is contrary to Scripture. It's nonsense. It's actually false teaching. The claim is false. Whoever made the claim in the first place made it up. What should we call them? Well, let's call it a lie. And everybody else who's repeated it since has been deceived. I'm being more generous with the people who've been repeating it because they heard it. But because some famous person says it, oh yeah, oh yeah, we should Listen, at least I have the tools to check it out and say, it's not true. It's not true. I've observed this tend increasingly amongst Pentecostals and charismatics, to reduce the Holy Spirit from someone, indeed God, to something. And I'm ashamed of it, and I'm embarrassed by it, and I'm agitated by it, and I would, all I can do is continue to refute it and resist it. Let me turn to the words of Jesus. Because Jesus says a lot about the Holy Spirit. It's the very core of what we understand about him. I'm just going to read you some of those passages today. I ju- just to point to you how Jesus speaks about him. And then probably next week we'll come back and see how Jesus describes what he's going to do, his work in us, with us, through us. John 14. We're going to jump through a bit of John 14, 15, 16, 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, counselor is probably even a better word, that he may be with you forever. Don't preach this, David, just read it. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Skip down a few verses. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. When the counselor, this is chapter 15 now, when the helper, the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he's sent by the Father, he will testify about me. Chapter 16, I tell you the truth. See, they were concerned that Jesus was going away from them. You're going away? Where are you going? You're going to leave us? He says, it's for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, counselor, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he speaks, hears, sorry, he will speak and he will disclose to you What is to come? He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Now let me fuss you with a bit of Greek for a moment again. Sorry, verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine, and therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. In chapter 14, verse 26 there what Jesus actually says, what's recorded in Greek is what Jesus said was the Spirit, the Holy. For emphasis, it's even doubled up. The, twice. He is the Spirit, the Holy One. He's not to be depersonalized. He's not to be diminished. So what the way Jesus p- talks about the Holy Spirit there directly contradicts and confutes what a lot of people are trendily trying to tell us today. He emphatically expresses the Godhood, the deity, and the personality of the Holy Spirit. Jesus repeatedly calls the Spirit, He. And He, the Spirit, the Counselor, was coming to the disciples to be with them as the direct replacement for the Lord Jesus who was going from them to the Father in heaven. When I go back next week, I think to work through what the Lord Jesus teaches us about, the work of the Spirit there. But for today, I want you just to focus with me on this. The Holy Spirit is given to us here on earth in the place of the Lord Jesus who is now in heaven. And he is a divine person. He is God, the Holy Spirit. He now is God with us. I want to spell out a few things, just headline them to you. that We need to understand and believe about the Holy Spirit. His personhood. In the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is shown as having will. He makes choices, decisions. Intellect, he knows, he understands. He's wise. And he has emotions. Now, if that isn't a person, I don't know what is. He is a divine person who relates to us, who may be pleased or grieved, received and obeyed or resisted. We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit just as we have with the Father and with God the Son, Jesus. These are things he does just to headline them to you. The Holy Spirit teaches. He testifies. He guides. He restrains. He convinces. He commands. He comforts and strengthens. He commissions people to works of service. And he prays, and he prays for us, and in us, and through us. Scripture t- tells us we should pray in the Spirit. There are moments when I I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I may be confused. I may be desperate. I may be angry. And what do I do? Well, I tell you what I do in those moments. I pray in the Spirit. I pray in tongues, because I don't have no clue what to, what I what I what I should say. So I pray anyway. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, then in us, and also through us. Our Lord Jesus intercedes in heaven for us too. We have a a great team praying for us, representing us. Then the Holy Spirit can be obeyed, received, and followed. But it can also be lied to, and there were dire consequences for doing that in Acts 4 he can be resisted he can be grieved he can be blasphemed now you've got to be God to be blasphemed you've got to speak against God against Christ or against the Holy Spirit and it is possible to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and he can be outraged you know don't, all that dove thinking maybe messes up, messes up the way we're expecting. The Holy Spirit can get just as angry as God the Father gets angry. When it says God is wrathful, it doesn't mean God the Father is, but the others aren't. The wrath of God is the wrath of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he can be outraged. So please do not call the Holy Spirit It or replace speaking of him and his work by some trendy jargon, which will soon enough be outdated anyway, and another thing will come around the carousel. God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Let me spell this out for you a little bit more. God the Spirit is equal in majesty, dignity, authority, eternity, omnipresence, omnipotence, he know, he's everywhere, he's almighty, he's all-knowing, he's all-wise. He's equal with God the Father and God the Son. Equally holy, just and true. Equally gracious and merciful. Equally the judge. But just as the Son has willingly submitted himself to serve the Father, so the blessed Holy Spirit has willingly submitted to himself to serve both the Father and and the Son, so much so that he is sent by the Father and the Son. The language of Scripture, the language of theology is he proceeds from the Father and the Son. He submits himself to serve them and to do as they wish. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. There was never a time when God the Son did not exist, but he's always been God the Son in relationship to God the Father. And the Holy Spirit is submitting Himself to do the Father's will. You can read in Genesis chapter one: God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. There was a sense that the Holy Spirit was waiting for the command, for things to happen, for things to start, and then He began to do it. The Holy Spirit, we read it there in the words of Jesus, didn't, doesn't come to glorify Himself so I feel a little apologetic we're going to talk about him directly for a few weeks but we need to we need to catch up but he always leads us to glorify Jesus he will take of mine and reveal it to you I've got a quote in my notes there you can read for yourself from bbnradio.org it's amazing what places turn up on the internet with decent stuff and it's amazing how much rubbish there is out there as well let me talk about the names of the Holy Spirit. Do you know, you know God has different names? Some of you know them pretty well, Jehovah Jireh. And, though in Hebrew it's more like Yahweh Yireh. But no. <laughs> um, well, the name we have for him most often in the Testament is the Holy Spirit. But just as God the Father and God the Son are known by various names... You'll call his name Emmanuel. Well, that wasn't the given name of Jesus, but that's a prophetic name over him, isn't it? Emmanuel. God with us. Now we have another Emmanuel. God with us is the Holy Spirit. So there are different names the Holy Spirit has given which illustrate or describe his relationship to the Father and to the Son, his personal and divine attributes in himself, and then also the things that he does. He's known by his works. I'm going to read them down to you. He's the comforter, the counsellor. Jesus calls him that a number of times in the passage we just read. He's the counsellor. He's the eternal spirit. He's the free spirit. He's his spirit, God's spirit. He's the holy one. God calls him, in Genesis 6, my spirit. In Ephesians, it's called the one spirit. He's the spirit of adoption, by which we cry out to God, Abba, Father, God, you're my Father. He's the spirit of Christ. He's the spirit of counsel and might. He's the spirit of glory. He's the spirit of God. He's the spirit of grace. In fact, you find... In the writings of people like the English Puritans from the 1600s or so, that they they kind of switch between talking about grace and talking about the Spirit of God, and it it becomes almost synonymous because what He does is grace in this age, in the church, in the Christian. He's the Spirit of grace and supplication, He leads us to, to prayer. He's the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, the Father. He's the Spirit of God's Son. He's the Spirit of holiness. He not only is the Holy Spirit, He produces holiness. He's the Spirit of Jehovah, Spirit of Jesus. I've got that one in twice. No, I haven't. Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of life, Romans 8. Spirit of our God, Spirit of promise. Or to put another way around, the promised Holy Spirit. We we'll talk about the promise of God in a particular way. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the Lord. And in Luke and in Acts, the Lord always means the Lord Jesus. Spirit of the Lord God, Isaiah. Spirit of truth, Jesus called him. Twice. Spirit of wisdom. Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Jesus calls him, talking to us, the spirit of your Father. The Lord, the Spirit. Then your spirit. Now, when you handle divine names, the names of God, God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, you will tend to, if you're not careful, to draw to yourself to a favourite. I always like to think of God this way. Well, you need to be shaken out of that a bit. Because every name of God is instructive to us and helpful to us, and particularly at certain points in our lives, you will need to fasten in on that name of God and feed on it And embrace it. And hold it firm. Just as there are times when particular promises or words of God. You see it and you grab it. And you pray it and you act on it because you believe God spoke in it. Specifically to you at that time. The same with the names of God. The triune God, the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is spirit. God is spirit, except that God the Son has also become the Son of Man. The second person of the Trinity is now also the man, Messiah, Christ, Jesus. But God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are spirit. They have no physical being. It's an error to ascribe a physical body to God other than the one that Jesus himself has. He's the God-man. He's Jesus. An hour is coming, and now is, he's talking to the Samaritan woman, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It's not about Jerusalem or Samaria. It's not about going to some building or some high hill. You will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I would put a capital S on that spirit. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit. Who says so? Jesus does. God is spirit, no physical being. He's everywhere at all times and all places. God is spirit. and Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It is Jesus who is the image of the invisible God. The Greek word is icon. He is God in flesh. And those who have seen him have seen the Father. And those who now see him do so because the Holy Spirit reveals him to us. He takes of his and makes them real to us. As the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is everywhere, at all times, in all places, yet by his authority and activity, he brings to us the impactful presence of God so that we feel God's presence at a particular place and a particular time. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. To bring us the eventful, impactful, known presence of God. Now it may have. (coughs) Excuse me. People talk about manifestations. You hear a wind blowing. You see gold leaf falling, or whatever. Okay, fine. But you can know the powerful presence of God without seeing anything. You just feel it with all your soul. You know God's there. And you just want to bow. You want to get on your knees. You, You, you know. Other times you want to jump and shout and you don't know how you're going to react. But the, what you do, let me say this, I'll say this again in some weeks' time. What you do is just the reaction, folks. It's not the Holy Spirit. You're sensing Him. And you're responding and reacting. That's fine. Whatever you, however you want to respond and react, go ahead. But don't think that what you're doing is what the Holy Spirit's doing. You're doing something in response to Him. Your reaction, Your response. We're impacted and affected by the sense of God's presence. The Holy Spirit does that again and again. He's God. Whatever is true about God is true of the Holy Spirit. Whatever is true about God is true of the Holy Spirit. However, you imagine God the Father, it's true of the Holy Spirit too. And I'll read you something from. One of the systematic theologies that breaks the rule I talked about earlier. This is Charles Harden. Well done, Charles. This is great stuff. The consciousness of God is the consciousness of the Spirit. He knows the things of God as the Spirit of a man knows the things of a man. The presence of the Spirit is the presence of God. The works of the Spirit are the works of God. Whatever God does, He does by the Spirit. The ancient Christian creeds and even some of our songs say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, I hope I'm at least introducing you more to him today. Here it is from the Westminster Confession of Faith, a bit modified and modernized because it was written in the 1600s. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, proceeding, being sent from the Father and the Son, is of the same substance, and equal in power and glory, and is, together with the Father and the Son, to be believed in, loved, obeyed, and worshipped throughout all ages. We do pray to and worship the Holy Spirit as well as the Father and the Son. What is your experience of him? Your relationship with him? Do you depend upon his presence and help day by day, even hour by hour? See, we still, many of us need to break out of a mentality that says, when I leave the meeting or when I leave this building... I leave the presence of God. No. Thank you. Can we have a few amens and mm in the right places? Yeah, be? Yeah. <laughs> you carry the presence of God. Because Jesus said he'll be with you and he'll be in you. We're going to explore that in coming weeks. When you go to work tomorrow, you are God's representative, commissioned by and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be in that place during your workhouse and to influence people around you with something of the knowledge of God, the presence of God, and the kingdom of God. Does that mean and miracles are going to work out all day long? Now you might get fired for that. But being who you are, a child of God, walking with the Holy Spirit, you'd be amazed at what happens. So I've got a final thought and challenge for you today before we pray and then we break bread. The scripture actually says we are to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now have you ever thought of putting that word together with his name? Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The scriptures speak of our fellowship with one another and with the Lord Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Some of us say it quite often. Listen, the grace that we say... The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Same thing said in Philippians. If Therefore, if there's any encouragement in the Spirit, if there's any consolation in the life, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit. Let me just spell out what fellowship is. It's a bit like friendship. Four C's. Hey, I'm a preacher. What else do I do? Commitment, communication, keeping company, and cooperation. Let's think about those in relation to one another, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. We are to be committed to one another, to communicate with one another, keep company with one another. It's called, we call that fellowship, but fellowship is that's part of fellowship. Because we keep company, we can do these other things. We can be communicating and caring. There's another C I could have put in there. And cooperating with our brothers and sisters, sharing with their joys and sorrows, praying them through their t- times of troubles. And those come to every one of us at different times. Thank you again for your support for us as a family during the time when our daughter Rebecca was ill with Hodgkin's and has been found. You, you, we were carried along by your prayers. That's why being a member of, the, of a local church is essential it's not, it's not optional. It's essential to growing to be a mature and effective Christian. Because fellowship really matters. We're to be committed to and communicate with and keep company with and cooperate with our Lord Jesus. We're to walk with Him. Walk is the way the Bible talks about doing life. And there's a from and to, there's some direction, momentum, and you know, purpose in it. But we're also to communicate with and be committed to and keep company with and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And what I've discovered even in this last week, and I'm not going to tell you about it today, but is when you when you cooperate with him in the small things, he gives you bigger things. When you're prepared to listen to him and cooperate with him, another doorway opens, another opportunity. You know, oh, oh, my goodness, I've got to have some faith to go there. But the Holy Spirit's taught you some faith and obedience in some small steps to get you there. In coming weeks, we're going to look at things like the gift of the Spirit or the promise of the Spirit, receiving the Spirit. What is it to be filled with the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? And similar topics. We'll talk about those things. I'm not a cessationist. I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and prophecy are still for us today. But that's not what I'm starting. We need to start where Jesus starts, telling us about who the Holy Spirit is and the primary purpose he's come to do, and let me give you the headline now. The Holy Spirit has come to bring Jesus to us and build Jesus in us. Got it? To bring Jesus to us and build Jesus in us. The other part of his work, which is su- supra it's not against there, just beyond nature of enabling and equipping us in particular ways, those will come. But I want to pursue those things according to truth, and he is the Spirit of truth. He authorised this. It's his word. He's going to do nothing which is contrary to this, because this is just as much the word of the Holy Spirit as we call it the word of God. Amen? So it's according to truth. We're going to have a few surprises, perhaps, when we go through 1 Corinthians 14 about how we handle his gifts. His word instructing us how to handle his gifts. And I also want to handle these things, God help us, in sincerity and integrity. Because I don't like hype. Do you know that? You do know that by now, don't you? Falseness. You know boasting things up which aren't real. I have this one main goal, that we learn to be people who live the whole of our lives in the Spirit. That includes things like speaking in tongues and prophesying, but is far, far more than that. It is, in in fact, the whole Christian lifestyle, what the Bible often calls our walk. We are to walk every day with the Lord Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit and with one another committed, communicating keeping company cooperate. after all scripture says all who are being led by the Spirit of God those are the sons of God it's the family characteristic because do you know what That's exactly how Jesus walked before us. I'm going to pray together. We're in the beginning of this series, and there's more yet to learn together. But I believe that even this morning is not too early for us to make a commitment together, or if you wish to. That commitment is to pursue the truth concerning the Holy Spirit which means shedding some of the nonsense we've heard along the way, perhaps, and to pursue also being filled with his presence, to pursue knowing him, walking with him, relying on him, and obeying him. And I speak to myself, and maybe to one or two other people as well here today, that some of us walked by the Spirit more in the past than we do now. Well, it's time to go back and start again. And if you want to make such a decision, such a commitment, such a response today, why don't you stand just where you are? Now I think you need to do something more, which is to find your own words. I'll give you a clue. If you can't find your own words, ask him to give you words. I'll just really help you to pray. He'll always help you to pray if you're willing to open your heart. to Find your own words for this moment or two, just quietly. Give yourself over to be someone who's a learner, wants to learn from the Holy Spirit what it is to walk a spirit-filled, spirit-energized life for the glory and honor of God the Father and God the Son. Find your words now. Let's do it together. Oh, my Father.